Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 9th of May 2010, entitled, A Plea for God's Presence. And the Bible reading is taken from Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 to 12. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Our scripture reading this morning taken from Isaiah, chapter 64. Isaiah, chapter 64. Now, though it is certainly related, a distant cousin, we might say, this is not part of our series that we've been doing for this past year on contending for the faith, the fundamentals of that faith that we're to contend for. This morning, what we are going to be looking at is, as we look into the Old Testament In Isaiah chapter 64, a simple thought this morning, a plea for God's presence. Now, God willing, next week we'll return to our series, which right now we're partway through the filling of the Holy Spirit, and we hope to come back to that next week, God willing. In Isaiah chapter 64, I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading Don't worry, I did the communion first because I'd rather preach fast, skip over a few things here than to rush through that uh, at the end for you. And so uh, uh, I will be brief, try to summarize all these pages that I've got written down here, and uh, we'll see how good I can can get that accomplished. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness, those that remember thee in thy ways. Behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. In those in continuance, and we shall be saved. We are all as an unclean thing, All our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. There is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father, we are the clay. Thou art potter, and we all are the work of Thy hand. Be not wroth very sore, O Lord, neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech Thee, we are all Thy people. The holy cities are a wilderness, Zion is a wilderness, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and our beautiful house where our fathers praise thee is burned up with fire and 
all our pleasant things are laid waste. Wilt thou refrain thyself for these things, O Lord? Wilt thou hold thy peace and afflict us very sore? Father, Lord, we thank you for the time that we have already shared together. And now, Lord, as we, Lord, take some time to look into your word at this time, we pray that, Lord, you would anoint, that you would touch, that you would help us to gain that this morning from your word that can only be given by you and the power of your spirit. Speak to our hearts. You know each heart. You know each need. Father, would you meet the needs as only you can, that the lost could be saved, the backslider restored, the Christian encouraged and challenged and built up in the faith. For in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Yes, God has shown his presence among his people in different ways throughout history. Today, what we're really looking at here in Isaiah chapter 64 is a portion of a prayer that was being prayed by the prophet Isaiah to God above, which was, in fact, a plea for God's presence amongst his people, a presence that they had known in the past, but somehow they had lost it. Before looking there, I want to remind you of some words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, surely you would agree with me this morning that we could say that the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh upon this earth is undoubtedly the most important way, the most important means by which God has ever made his presence known. Now, don't say that to place less importance upon God's presence in any other fashion that he has shown himself, but because without the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, without him taking on flesh and coming to this earth, without his completed work of redemption, none of the others would matter, would make any difference whatsoever because it all hinges upon him. We know what Christ parting words from this earth are because they're recorded for us in his word. After giving the apostles, who themselves, as we have already said, were the foundation of the New Testament church, with Jesus Christ himself being that chief cornerstone upon which everything else is built and tied, after having given them and therefore, if they're the foundation, the church, you and I here this morning, we find that the commission to take the gospel into the very regions beyond, into the very ends of the earth, that every human being may know the name of Jesus Christ and what he has done for their sins. After giving them that commission, what an awesome responsibility we find that he told them something else in parting, which is recorded for us in the book of Acts, chapter 1. Notice what the Word of God says there in verses 4 through 11. He says, And being assembled together with them, 
commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. We've looked at that promise back in, in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, 15, 16, through there. We've looked at that promise and what that was all about. Wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for that Holy Spirit that has been promised to come in the place of Jesus Christ, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things which they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. We find that Christ... He was giving his apostles clear insight into the fact that in order for his work to be accomplished that he had left for them to do, that it was still going to require his presence, though in a different form than when he was here as God in the flesh. He would just as surely be here as God in the Spirit. We see the results of that promise fulfilled for us on the day of Pentecost. Look over into Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set up on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. And he goes through the list there. I want you to notice down, if you would, into to verse 41 of this same chapter. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. What a service, amen. 
Peter preached hard and he preached straight and he preached clear. But the power of God, God's presence was real there in their midst. And I want you to know that the end result of that was that every man heard the word of God in his own language, in his own ability to hear, and 3,000 souls came to know the Lord Jesus Christ in that one service. You see, Christ told them that his presence was going to be required. Today, I say to you, it's that same presence, God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, that same one that we've been looking at for some weeks in our series. It is essential if we are to know and to see God's presence and God at work in our midst as today. We have come around this, the Lord's table, to remember Him, to remember the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. I will take you back to this prayer that Isaiah prayed. Notice that this prayer was where the prophet of God was praying for God's people, for the nation of Israel that, at that point. It was the nation of Israel which was God's instrument upon this work that God did His work through just as surely today as God's instrument upon this earth is the local church, and that's where He does His work through. The nation of Israel, they were still existing. They were still there. But they didn't really know the presence of God amongst them. God has always had a remnant. Whether we're looking back to the nation of Israel when everybody and their brother wanted to destroy them and wipe them off the face of the earth, even as they still do today, God always kept His remnant and the church with everything that it's been through. Oh, I know. I know that sometimes that doors have closed and places have shut down. But may I remind you even today, amongst the darkness of the world as we look around, that God still has His remnant today. We find that that's who this prayer was for. The remnant, those that truly belong to God. This was some 700 years before Jesus Christ even came in the flesh to die upon the cross. We find that the presence of God was what was essential for God's people in that day. And I say to you today that just as surely as we read through these verses here, and we see how that though they were still God's people, they had lost the presence of God in their lives and in their midst, working in their midst. That today, that is the state of most of the churches around the world, even those that are still God's people that genuinely belong to Him. They've lost the presence, just as with most Christians. Oh, I know to one degree that if you're saved, you'll never lose the presence of God because He is there abiding within you. We find that I'm saying to you today that it is essential as believers. It is essential as a local church. 
It is essential that God's presence be in our midst and that He accomplishes the work that He wants to do in our lives and in our church. We find that as we look at this, I want you to notice in Isaiah here, notice in chapter 63, verse 19, and don't worry, all I'm going to do is try to finish up my introduction, and we'll come back and do the other three points tonight, and I'll save that other sermon for another time. I want you to notice in chapter 63, verse 19, just before the prayer that we've read, of course, the prophet was still praying there. And he said, We are thine. Thou never bearest rule over them. They were not called by thy name. You see, what he's really saying here is that Israel had become just like just as desolate of God's presence as them who did not belong to him. God's people, God's people were just as desolate of the presence of God as those that didn't belong to him. They who were not called by his name, them who had not even known him as their God. Wow. What an indictment on God's people. But maybe the more relevant question for us today might be, have we become like them? Do we need the same kind of help today that God's people did in Isaiah's day? Have we within our lives as Christians and within our churches that are supposed to be the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is where Christ is to be seen in this world, if we have become desolate of the presence of God in our midst and working in our midst like the world around us who doesn't know his name anyway, who's never been called by his name, who have never called him their Lord and their Aster. You see, to make God the Lord and Master of our lives is something that can only take place when God does that work of regeneration within our lives. I honestly believe that we would be kidding ourselves to think or say anything otherwise this morning than that, yes, we need the same thing now that Israel needed 700 years before Jesus Christ even came to this earth. And we're 2,000 years, so we're talking some 2,700 years ago. And yet the need is the same. I'm saying that need is the same in my life, in your life, in this church. Right now we've seen a mess in the elections and nobody knows who the, who the prime minister is going to be and everybody's speculating all these things. But I want to tell you this. Far more difference than it makes who's going to sit up on that throne and be called Mr. Prime Minister is who's going to sit up on the throne of your life and who's going to sit up on the throne of this nation that far exceeds the throne of the Queen, Her Majesty, with all due respect. But that's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The truth is, this nation needs 
the presence of God once again. Just as my own country across the sea needs the presence of God once again, we find that in 2,700 years of history that we find ourselves, if not in exact, in a similar situation to God's people and the prophet Isaiah was walking this earth. I say that we as God's people today, they who are called by his name, that's what the term Christian is supposed to mean. We need the presence of God in a real and a mighty way. And I'm not talking about a bunch of froth. I'm not talking about a bunch of man-made stuff and man-made emotions. And I'm not talking about the, the status quo of a good, fundamental, evangelistic, God-loving people. We get it all so automated. We've got it all so figured out. There's never in the history of the universe been a time when so much information was at our, our disposal that it was right there for us. And yet, I say to you today, that one of the reasons, as we said before, that we've been going through this study on Sunday mornings for over a year now is that it is a sad state of apologetics in the church today. People don't know what they believe. They don't know why they believe it. And they certainly don't know how to explain that faith to somebody else. What are we doing? We're playing Christianity. We're playing church. We're trying to ease our conscience and somehow fit it into everything else in our lives. Folks, today, we need some Christians that the presence of God is visible and seen in their lives. We need churches that the presence of God is visible. And I'm not talking about all the hoopla, and I'll get into some of that tonight, praise God. I'm talking about a real working of God in our lives and in our midst that accomplishes God and that can only be credited to Him. A lot of people are kidding themselves today into trying to think and to somehow try to even prove to themselves that God is working in the midst. And thank God, He does still work in our midst. Thank God some of you are only here today because of the presence of God working through someone else that was a witness to you, through someone else that through the presence of God in their prayer life that you're here as a child of God today. But folks, we've got so little of what we really need. And as we look at this passage here in chapter 64, I want to come back and I want to point out to you this evening three important aspects of this prayer for help, of this plea for God's presence. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid that when we really look, at what the presence of God in His genuineness does in our midst. But the sad thing is, is that there's too many that don't really want that in their lives. <laughs> they don't want their lives changed that much. <laughs> they don't want their world turned upside down that much. And the fact is, in the flesh, it could be a fearful thing. But I'm saying to you, it's what we need more than anything in the world. We need God's presence in our lives. And as we look at this plea 
were God's presence. And we look at just what it means and what it does in our lives. I want to just leave you with a simple thought this morning. How real, how real, how personal is the presence of God in your life? If you're here and you're saved and you know that we've already seen the Holy Spirit baptize you, He He's, he's sealed you to the day of redemption. He, he's abiding within you. He's taken residence there. We've seen all these things. We're looking now at just how much that He really fills and controls your life. But I want to ask you today, how real is the presence of God in your life? And would you like truly for the presence of God to be that real to you? I, I, I can't wave a magic wand. I, I can't say some magic words. I, I certainly can't breathe on you or touch you or something that, that's going to suddenly bring the presence of God in your life. But I want to give you in God's Word what it means and where I believe that it must begin if we really, really want that. But I give you fair warning. When God's presence is real, it's going to do some things. And it's going to change some things. Are we willing for God to genuinely do what He wants to do with us, with our church, in this world that we live? Oh, folks, God's just as real. I mean, He's real today. And we can, with absolute certainty, if we really want it, we can know His presence. His presence can be real with us. And the greatest, greatest, and we'll look at this this evening, the greatest thing about God's presence with us is just as we saw it on the day of Pentecost, I want to tell you, it's not so that you can be happier, <laughs> though God wants you happy. It's not so that you can be more spiritual, though God wants that for you. It's not so you can have more fun. It's not so you can enjoy your worship more. Matter of fact, it's not really for you at all. The presence of God is, number one, that the name of Jesus might be known. That the name of Jesus might be known. And that the heathen the sinners, the lost, those that don't know him, might tremble at his name. Might tremble in your midst because God is that real in your life. It makes them feel that uncomfortable. I'm saying the presence of God. Yes, there will be many, many wonderful, exciting things that will be the byproduct in our lives. But that's not the essential goal. That's not the primary thing. And that's why many people don't want it because they're seeking for God's presence for what it will do for me instead of what it will do for God. And when we want to get serious, when we genuinely want the presence of God to do what God wants to do, it'll change our lives. It'll change our church. It'll change the effect that we have on the people around us and in the communities that we minister. And I believe that as sure as I'm breathing and speaking here this morning. Father, I know our time is gone, and we thank you for the time that we've had. We thank you for those that are here. 
Now, Father, I pray that you would take just these introductory remarks and you take and use them. I know that it's been so incomplete here this morning. But, Father, I pray that you would take and use it and that, Lord, as many as possible would be able to return this evening as we look closer at this plea for your presence. But, Father, I pray for those that are here today. And, Lord, through the witness of the communion table, through these comments and your words, Lord, I pray if there is lost here that they would be convicted by the only one that can bring that conviction and show them their need. That's God, the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, for each of your children, those that belong to you, your remnant that are here today. Oh, I pray that you'd, Lord, take these things and challenge them, Lord. And if they can't come back and look at this with us tonight, get them into the Word looking at it. And, Lord, they can study these things out for themselves. But, God, I pray, I pray that you would do a work in our midst, in our hearts, in our lives. Lord, help us not just to go on in the same old status quo, and Lord, by the same token, help us not to get caught up in a bunch of man-made froth. But let us know your presence, your work in our lives and in our church. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.